G'day, y'all. Welcome to our next episode of Champagne Cinema, the show where we do what we do best, which is watch films, drink wine, and then whine about them. My name is Chris, and joining me today is C. Hi, everyone. So this is the weekend after we came back from Miami. We had a girls' trip. We did. I think I'm recovering still. I mean, it didn't help that we went straight into work the next day, and of course, my week was crazy. I think your week was crazy too. So now it's like mm-hmm. full recovery in the weekend mode. Yeah. I think when the first night, so we got back on a Monday, mm-hmm. I slept for 10 hours that Monday night and then woke up the next day at 7.30 in the morning, very refreshed, telling everyone I got 10 hours sleep. So <laughs> yes. And then also on Thursday night, I also got a solid nine hours sleep. I was asleep at 9.30 PM, just like I was like, I'm done. And I think I was still recovering. So good me. I wish I could do that. I can't do that with just my dog and my body doesn't let me sleep in anymore. That's why I think I do things differently now. But I like the first day back from work, somebody said to me like, oh, you sounded so chill. And I'm like, my brain literally wasn't working that I just was like going down to the lowest mode. Lowest functioning level. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm glad that came off as like, I'm super relaxed after vacation, but really I'm dying inside. (laughs) But looking at it, I think I did Miami so much different in my 30s than my 20s because I've been before. Much more mellow. Need my sleep. (laughs) The best I can. Even though COVID apparently doesn't exist in Miami, um, we're still in the midst of a pandemic, which obviously still kind of plays in your mind when you're standing at very crowded restaurants like Komodo and no one is wearing a mask and they've squished everyone in and they're making you wait inside for 45 minutes for your table that you had a reservation for. So C and I obviously were the only two in there, I think, wearing masks. (laughs) And then we decided to stand outside because that's the only place we could go and we're just like hovering like near like the waiters walking in and out and someone smoking and I'm like it's better than being inside I guess yeah I literally looked at you I'm like I don't think I can stay I'm gonna leave and you're like you can do this I was like okay and then thankfully like two minutes later you're like do you want to go stand outside I'm like yes I do and then thankfully we got seated outside so it was like could breathe easy but yeah like nobody was and you could just tell they all cared about their image more than wearing a freaking mask. And I'm, I care more about wearing a mask and not getting sick on vacation. Yeah. I feel like you and I are pretty like, we dress pretty nicely and yeah, like we, we care about like, what we look like. I think we're quite, you know, probably range <laughs> between a six and an eight, depending on who's looking at us in the looks <laughs> scene, maybe a solid seven. But like, this was the biggest scene and I'd never seen so many brands just like flashing around. I saw like a, this chick, cause they were saying, oh, you have to be like fancy. And this girl was wearing like white, like yoga pants, cropped ones, but I think they must've been some fancy brand because why would you be wearing like yoga pants there, but carrying your Chanel and your Versace crop top? I was just very confused. Trendy. And I'm like, I don't even think it looked good. It was yeah. just money. It was clothes that cost a lot. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stick in my little reformation dress over here. But- yeah. Well, I think we definitely upped our game and I haven't gotten that ready that much in a really long time. <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of hard. Like day three, I'm like, oh my God, I have to put on makeup again. But I think we did good. We would have gone into the clubs if we wanted to, but 
I am against the whole club atmosphere of you have to wear heels. If you're a girl, we had a guy come up to us on the beach. The way his face was when he said flats, it was disgusting. And he was like, well, you could at least wear one inch. We're like, shoot, fuck this. But you, his case for you, why you have oh, to wear yeah. heels. <laughs> so bad. He said it was a insurance liability <laughs> um, if you're not wearing heels in the club. And our friend was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, if you're not wearing heels, someone could step on your foot with their heel and I've seen it. There's a lot of blood. And she goes, but what if you're wearing heels and you're not good at it and you twist your ankle? That's also a liability. He goes, that doesn't happen. It was all about other chicks stepping on other chicks that were wearing flats. And I was looking at him being like, there is no chance in hell I'm going to this club because I just... It just sounds so sexist. And the fact a guy was trying to explain this logic, I'm like, please leave. I'm so glad our friend was actually giving him a really hard time trying to explain the different levels of liability with heels. And I'm like, this guy needs to leave before our friend just like (laughs) murders him. I was going to, I was like about to lose my shit because, and why? Because I'm wearing heels. I can't get my foot stepped on also like toes that's a thing even if you're wearing Mm -hmm. like a one inch heel your foot's kind of flat when we were there last time we were at the front and they were saying the same thing one of our friends was wearing sandals so they wouldn't let us in and after that I was like screw y'all but then I saw guys walking in with jean shorts and tennis shoes and like anything just super casual and I was like this is disgusting yeah so we avoided that and instead went to Chanel Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> First time into a Chanel store. I was so, again, Miami. I was very scared because I felt inadequate. Like, I can't be in Chanel. Like, I'm not this person. Which I say, no, that's bullshit. You can go anywhere you want. I know, but they did stop me at the entry because I was wearing the wrong mask. They had to give me their own special mask. You were wearing that a was- cloth. I was wearing a cloth mask and they had to give me like, I guess, a surgical mask, but it was black, obviously, because I had to fit in with like Mm -hmm. Chanel. And I was just laughing because I went into Chanel and I got something. I got a free mask from Chanel. So (laughs) made it high class society. Here I come. I was wearing my black (laughs) KN95 mask that like they totally loved and I was allowed in. (laughs) I was so chic. (laughs) I thought though, it was like, they're stopping us. We're not allowed in. We're not like cool enough. They're like, no, you just need to change your mask, ma'am. And I'm like, okay. But Chanel Chanel was beautiful. That was a beautiful store. (laughs) I'm just glad no one was in there as well. And they were super nice. Like did not feel intimidating at all, which I loved, but not able to buy Chanel at this point, <laughs> but we did spend a good amount of money, which is why, like, now on a budget, <laughs> we need to budget the, the next month. <laughs> February is going to be the boringest month. It's always a boringest month, honestly, because January is still coming off like a high and stuff. And mm-hmm. February is really like, oh, we're really at the start of the year and nothing exciting happens for months. There's no holidays or breaks or anything. It's just, and I don't count Valentine's Day, guys. Like I'm married. That holiday's oh, bullshit. Yeah. I don't care so, about like, that. So like, I'm not about it. I don't think I've spent Valentine's Day with Nick ever because he's always on the road. So that's not a holiday. It's not a real thing, just like Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun trip and totally different vibe than I've been in in a really long time. I feel like I need a vacation from that vacation. That's always what it's like when you go to a big city and you're constantly doing like going out and getting dressed. It's like it's fun, but it's not the like decompressing vacation that we often need. We we enjoy. (laughs) Yes. Love. (laughs) So moving on to this week's film, it is 2014 sci-fi adventure genre. 
which is like my favorite. It is directed by Christopher Nolan. It stars Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, Michael Caine, OG, the goat. Anyway, mm-hmm. Matt Damon, and this list is just so, so bloody long. There are so many other actors in here, and I think we give them honorable mentions, but I just couldn't keep listing them. So if you haven't guessed, you probably have guessed, it is the film Interstellar. So before we dive into this discussion, if you've never seen Interstellar and you don't want us to ruin it, you should probably go and watch the film and then come back and listen, as this episode will contain spoilers. Okay, so I will be doing the plot this time. I don't know it at all. (laughs) In Earth's future, a global crop, blight, and second dust bowl are slowly rendering the planet uninhabitable. Professor Brand Michael Caine, love, a brilliant NASA physicist, is working on plans to save mankind by transporting Earth's population to a new home via a wormhole. Oh gosh. That would be so <laughs> terrifying. But first, Brand must send former NASA pilot Cooper, Matthew McConaughey, and a team of researchers through the wormhole and across the galaxy to find out which of the three planets could be mankind's new home. Oh gosh. So basically That is stressful. I mean there's a lot of films that have that plot. Yeah. It's the world is ending because we've destroyed it because we're terrible people. Yeah. And they need to find somewhere else for us to go. So Matthew when, McConaughey is gonna go find it via a wormhole and space travel, which means everything's gonna go wrong. And is this based in the future? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they're kind of already used to this stuff maybe a bit. But it's still a pretty big deal because, like, transporting the whole world yeah, to but another they, planet. They like, don't know. They'll explain it, but yeah, this is based definitely in the future, but like not that far in the future. Yeah, but in the future, and yeah, I don't, I don't think the population's that big anymore because the world's right, dying. That's true. So people are dying. Yeah, true. Well, I, all I do know about this movie really is that a lot of people love it. Yes. And my sister is an aerospace engineer, and I'm pretty sure this is the movie that she said is the most realistic in how it's done. And like a lot of the other movies, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, it's not like how it is at all. I will tell you, you may get it. I remember when I first watched it, I was very confused. And I had to ask one of my friends who was an engineer, and he, he got it. But when he tried to explain it to me, I was like, so (laughs) I do think it has more sub, definitely more substance. I think there, I think Christopher Nolan did like a lot of research and worked with people in wormhole science (laughs) and stuff to figure out like, is this like a thing? (laughs) I guess in my head, it doesn't even feel like it's a real thing, but I guess there is some realness to it. It's just yeah it's i think it's like all physics and stuff so it's it gets pretty intense they'll explain it best they can and yeah. um it's it's definitely interesting i enjoyed this movie it's okay it's gonna be a new one for you yeah <laughs> um and then today because you know we had a pretty busy holiday season and we're about to go on vacation again um we are not drinking today. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be good. Yeah, but in the spirit of that, because people are, I guess, like not drinking at the start of the year or trying to cut back yeah. or if you're pregnant or something like that, <laughs> don't worry. Not, I'm not our pre- issue. Neither, not, <laughs> neither of us are pregnant. Um, I made a blueberry virgin mojito 
without mint because I had none. <laughs> <laughs> so C's going to try it. I honestly kind of just think it it's refreshing. I will say that. I mean, it looks cute. It's like a lavenderish color. The fruit's at the bottom. If you need a spoon, let me know so you can eat it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, up here it tastes like tonic, but I taste like a little berryness to it. And lime. And lime. I do taste that. Mm-hmm. So it was just mulled blueberries, squeeze fresh lime, not lime juice, guys, fresh squeezed lime, <laughs> some sugar that I smashed up in with the blueberries as well, and then tonic water as well as normal water to kind of like bring the balance. And we're drinking it from champagne glasses because we're bougie as fuck. Yeah, you could definitely pretend this acts alcohol. You know, I could like- put vodka straight in this. <laughs> Stop, don't say it. Stop, (laughs) don't say gin. No, I want, you know, I want gin in this. Go go, go for yourself, No, it's gonna be good. Okay, so first up, some film trivia. And I did find some fun facts about this. I think one of the big facts about this is that they consulted a theoretical physicist called Dr. Kip Thorne. He is a Nobel Prize winner whose ideas actually form the basis of Interstellar. So when I think they were talking to him about it, he laid out two rules for this movie about the science. So essentially he said, nothing in this film could contradict the proven laws of physics and any outrageous speculation would come from the mind of a scientist and not from a screenwriter which I really, really liked that. Mm -hmm. So Christopher Nolan agreed to this, these rules, but they did have an argument between the two of them because Thorne had to spend, so the, you know, the physicist, Dr. Kip Thorne Uh had to spend two weeks persuading Christopher Nolan not to have the characters travel faster than the speed of light. Because he's like, that is a contradiction to science. <laughs> I was like, two weeks debating that? Shit. I don't think it need you need to travel the speed of light to make it like a thing. Because is that kind of uh, what they do in like adventure stuff? I think they just wanted to really keep it grounded in science. Yeah. And that was the part of it. So he's like, do not change this the science to make this movie an Avengers. It's not that. Yeah, which I like that. I like that. Yeah. I like that it's very ingrained in that. So another piece of trivia is that Christopher Nolan's direction of Interstellar was actually heavily inspired by Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey, which I Mm. kind of liked and see that. And this is due to the fact that there was a wormhole in Interstellar that is located near Saturn. It's apparently a subtle reference to Kubrick's original plan for his film. So I liked that as well. Nice. Yeah. Anne Hathaway got hypothermia on the set, (laughs) which sounds awful and then Christopher Nolan was like let's just roll with it it's going to add to your character things and then they had like five minutes before she had to be rushed to hospital to get these shots and because it just added to the the depths of the film and I was like is that from what scenes like the water scene not the water one the ice planet but she was like I believe yeah like oh yeah the ice planet duh yeah yeah, yeah. Ugh. I think it was like in Iceland. They were somewhere cold as well. So I was like, okay, Ouch. that's a bit, it's a bit rough. Did you pay her a bit more money for that? Or yeah, that's scary. <laughs> also, Steven Spielberg was originally attached to this film back in two thousand and six. I mm. think it would have been very different. I mean, it would have been great. I'm sure. I think it just would have been a bit more light. You think? Yeah, because you know he kind of just is a bit more light. 
Mm-hmm. I think Christopher Nolan's very like all his movies are very thinky, like mm-hmm. use your brain. I don't know if Steven Spielberg would quite do that with his directing. That's mm-hmm. just my opinion. As much as I love him, he's like action adventure. <laughs> And then the final piece is, I like this about Christopher Nolan. So there's obviously a lot of green screen effects and they use green screens and these kind of things, but to help the actors, he actually made the visual scenes from where, like when they're in the spaceship and stuff, he made the visual attack team create these like scenes of like flying in space and going past Saturn and the wormhole prior to filming. So those actual visuals were played on screens beside the actors when they're in the spaceship, rather than reacting to a green screen, which is what they usually do, they could then react to the space outside them. And I actually think that brought a lot more out in them probably than actually just trying to react to a green piece of green screen that's like next to your window. Yeah, I'm sure it makes it a lot easier for them to act <laughs> when they yeah. have an actual visual, especially when things are like moving and stuff are supposed to be yeah. like looking at the same spot. Yeah, and I think because I think a lot of apparently, I mean, I don't know anything about films, but apparently they create a lot of the visuals post-filming, but it's good that like Christopher Nolan did it before filming so that they could use that as like a prop while they're like reacting. And I'm like, "Mm, I kind of like that. That's like nice of him, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Very thoughtful. (laughs) So for our topics today, kicking off that, in my opinion, and then looking at it, I've watched this movie multiple times see this was like your first time watching Mm -hmm. it but I ultimately think that this is like an end of the world movie it is an apocalypse movie I do have one piece of extra trivia that I left aside because this one's really really true to my heart and I know you've seen this Stephen King's The Stand which Mm -hmm. you saw the tv show is also an apocalypse movie it is actually one of the books in Murph's bookshelf and they have a visual of it in it and it's like a shout out to like the similarities between the end of the world and apocalypse and all that kind of stuff and it tells the story of humans dealing with that so I was like oh Stephen King made it in which made me really happy oh that's cool yeah I do know that one (laughs) (laughs) made you watch it (laughs) and Whoopi Goldberg I'm like oh Whoopi Goldberg I'll watch it that was all about James (laughs) Marsden for me but yeah (laughs) I also think that this film, it seems very real and very close to home. The movie never really tells you what year it is, but you can kind of make a strong guess about when it is set. It felt like they made something new every day, some <laughs> gadget or idea. That's our generation. So John Lithgow, I believe is our generation in this movie and that's super terrifying i think he's a millennial in this movie which means we're ultimately all fucking doomed at this rate we're going (laughs) he says in the movie in my generation something new was created every day and he also mentions the population and i'm like hello that's like what society is today and that's the population of the world at this point in time and then we're gonna let the world go to shit because that's just the way it's happening at the moment so i'm pretty sure this is our future well i'm gonna hope that's not the case at least (laughs) not in my lifetime (laughs) but they also which was weird were looking at historical facts that we see as facts but in their time were not factual and were taken out of textbooks like going to the moon which people do already believe that's not real but they like actually took it out of textbooks and got mad at at, I think Murph right for Mm -hmm believing that and that makes me think of things like 
the Holocaust. Like people genuinely don't even know what it is or don't believe in it. And that it just hit, it does hit a little too close to home. Like you can't forget about our history. Yeah. And it's like people are actively, there's so many, I think, flags in literature about removing the past. So like you don't remember it or people saying it didn't happen. And it's just like very scary that that's also kind of like what's happening today. And obviously what happened in this film as well, it's like, oh, that didn't happen. It was fake or whatever. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure people have gone to space. And in this, they're like, no, no one went to space. But then they had a secret NASA department. But <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, it's like that <laughs> whole history repeats itself because people don't remember, they don't acknowledge the past, and then it just happens again. And again that's and why again. you need yes. to pay attention to history. It's important. Mm-hmm. So that was frustrating. Like, you're a stupid teacher. You should be fired. <laughs> so stupid. You're just looking at it. I don't think I've ever really picked up on that before. I think you know, as I'm growing older, I'm just a little bit paying more attention to the world around me. And I was like, wait, you're just taking stuff out of textbooks, especially like science and facts. And that really annoys me. Yeah. But like any good end of the world or apocalypse movie, there's always the internal struggle of the characters, I think. And whether that be they be the heroes or the bad guys or just like the sidekicks, it always seems to be you actually mentioned this. It always seems to be a battle between sacrificing for the greater good of humanity and saving the world and everyone on it, or like a minimal, you know, small part of them. <laughs> or it's like between staying with your loved ones and your family and your friends and not going off to save the world. It's always like, what do you do? Do you leave them all behind to try and save them or you stay with them so that you're with them when the world ends? Right. And that's where Professor Brand was a total asshole is that he didn't give Cooper <laughs> that choice between saving the world or trying to save the world or staying with his family because saving the world wasn't even like a thing that they knew for sure would happen. It was like, this is a chance and we have a good chance. We can bring people with us. But he lied. He knew there wasn't a chance though. He was like, I figured out there, there wasn't was. a way to do that it. That just shows he's a freaking asshole. There was. But he was also too dumb. Like he was yeah. stupid. Yes. He was too <laughs> dumb and he sacrificed Cooper for the greater good. But what if he wanted to stay with his family? He had kids. Like maybe that was more important and he should have been honest and that just wasn't cool. And then we get to Matt Damon's character, man, who was just another shit guy. I'm Yeah, I did not trust him. I felt like something was off with him, the way the music was playing. And I just was like, this, something's going on. And then you learn that he's just trying to save himself to get off the planet and was just lying about the beeps or whatever, the data he was sending (laughs) and was just trying to save himself. It was so frustrating. Like who tries to hijack a spaceship? He could have been honest. (laughs) He doesn't even know how to fly the spaceship. He could have been honest and told them what was up and then be like, okay, well, we're not going to leave you here. Come with us. Let's try to go to this other planet, not waste all of our resources trying to, you know, help you. And then you wreck everything. And then he just kills himself. It was just such a stupid thing. I guess he just didn't want Cooper to go back home, but Cooper was always the only one going to go back home. He could have stayed with Brand, right? Yeah, I think if he got given the chance and, you know, Matt Damon's character, man, also what a shit character. I think if he was just honest about it, they're not going to leave him there. Yeah. I think Cooper would have been like, you're right, I probably have 
to go. Like I'm gonna, we're gonna have to keep going forward. Or they could have just done what they did because you know how like she got flung one way and he got sucked back into yeah. one hole. Like she could, he could have gone with man and got flung with him and I should have company. I just think there was room for one more because they lost someone because of Anne Hathaway on the water planet. Like they could have made this work. I don't think Cooper's a bad person. I think they would have come to the realization that man, obviously they're not going to leave him behind, but man was such a selfish character. And like, how did he pass all these like psychological tests to be an astronaut? Like this had to be picked up at some point that he really was a selfish, like he wasn't, he was always going to put himself first because that was a very clear that he was that person. I'm like, how did you pass all these tests to like, and he's like, it never, I never considered my planet wouldn't be the one that is the ultimate planet. I'm like, exactly. "Uh, Aren't you supposed to go for training for this? Well, he goes into it knowing the odds that his planet was going to be the planet were small. So you mm-hmm. go into it knowing in that you probably die. Something. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what Professor Brand was doing. So you know what's happening. But then you're there and I guess he just goes kind of psycho being there for so long that he was just like, I couldn't help it. And I needed to like trick y'all to get y'all here because I just couldn't take it. I just didn't think he had to go so deep into it. Like he'd been like, my bad. <laughs> yeah, it just, I th- again... Could have been done different. But I know end of the world and stuff, people are probably going to act a bit weird. Mm -hmm. I do think – I think Cooper, if he knew that he wasn't going to – if he was told the truth and it was like you either go and you never see your family again but you can start the world again or stay with your family, I think he would have stayed with his family. 100%. I truly think he would have stayed with his family being like, I'm not your person, I'm not the person for this. And they just found him too. So it was just luck. They already had three astronauts going. I guess they're looking for a pilot. It was total manipulation what Mm -hmm. they did to him, what Mm -hmm. Professor Brand did to him. Because Brand, she did have true intentions. She really did believe like we could save the world, Mm -hmm. but also have this backup plan if it doesn't work. Yeah. And she would, I think, chosen to go and not stay. But Cooper would have stayed. He had a reason to stay. He was a good dad. I think they all would have gone apart from Cooper. I think they would have just yeah. had to find another, you know, pilot or whatever. But mm-hmm. I'm sure they would have found one eventually. Okay, so the question, I guess, to finish up this topic is, what would you do at the end of the world? Would you step up if asked to save humanity or would you stay with your family and friends and let someone else step in and save the world? I honestly don't know if I can make the choice because I 100% would want to save humanity if there's a chance, but that's like a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I could handle it. But then I think about the movie Don't Look Up, which like spoiler mm-hmm. alert, they're like with their loved ones at the end. And I that was terrifying. It was like the most horrible scene I think I've ever watched. One of the most horrible things I've ever watched. Like thinking about being in that scenario, being like, I have no hope. And this is where I'm at. Ooh. You could also have that scenario though, like trying to save the world too. Yeah. That's true. I don't know what I would do, honestly. I hope I never have to find out. Truly don't believe I'm the only person in the world that has a skill set to save the world. So I'm, I'm well, like- Well, that's not I'd... the question. <laughs> Are you able to save the world? Oh, look at me. I'm going to go save the world because of my special skill set that I have to make coffee. You could procreate. <laughs> yeah, I'm going there. God's going to go <laughs> baby somewhere. Sure. All right. That makes sense. Um, I think I would go. I think I would go. I would think I need some sort of hope. I think everyone that knows me would understand why I'm going. I just doubt that like I could do it 
and be able to function while doing something like that. But then it just (laughs) seems so depressing not to do something that could maybe help. (laughs) And just being like, "Eh, I'm here. This is it. I don't know. Just hopefully we never get there. No one's going to ask me anyway, so. No, nobody's going <laughs> to. Please get in Jeff Bezos' flying penis and go to the moon and save everyone. Oh, no, sure. I'm not getting on that. <laughs> For topic two, now we're going to talk about the science, <laughs> which is going to be hard for us. I love that we start laughing because we're both like, we are not the people <laughs> nope. to be talking science about this movie, no. but we're going to give it a red hot crack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, this movie is great, but anytime I really try to think about the science and the space aspects, it, it breaks my brain. I keep trying to simplify, but it's just so freaking complicated. This is going to be the wormhole. The forest? Do you think the wormhole's going to be on Earth? I don't fucking know. You know wormholes are like in space, yeah. right? No, it's like in Avengers. Like a Doctor Strange situation? <laughs> it's a portal. <laughs> it's a port key, like from Harry Potter. And on top of that, I would need a lot to help me in these situations. You know how much Xanax I've had to take with me to go into space? I don't think you're allowed to. Really? I would have to. Just thinking about it makes me want to have some Xanax. Like when I really put myself in their scenarios, I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is horrible. And when Romilly is having that moment in his room and he's like, this piece of metal is all that's between me and out there. Like I totally felt that. Like I don't understand how anybody can go into space or do crazy stuff like that. I'm just not that person. Just bring your rain music with you, which is what <laughs> Cooper did. And it did sound very peaceful. I was like, oh, like the earth sounds of rain yeah. and crickets and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that would be smart. like oceans and waves and things. I would really like that. But yeah, but you're trusting a lot in just like, yeah, science. And that's that's scary, especially when you don't understand it like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did science the shit out of this movie. That's all I can see. I've just I've seen it a couple of times. I also saw it at the cinema when it first came out. And I think I'm just, I'm still really confused by the fourth and fifth dimensions and what the place was where Matthew McConaughey kind of ends up, the land of between space and time and gravity. It's like fourth and fifth dimensions are theories and concepts that are not proven. So it's interesting to see how they visualize this because no one quite knows. And it's just makes my mind kind of like bubble a little bit. It goes right over my head. You have to think of time differently. I don't know how. Just think about your family. You have to think bigger than that, right? I didn't take that. And I feel like we need to talk about another character in this movie that was not listed. (laughs) Your face. The black hole. Yeah. They're going to do something with that fucking black hole. So I know black holes are real. I learned that from Stephen Hawking. (laughs) The whole someone placed it there. Like, that was really hard for me to understand. I just thought maybe, like, they were natural something that just kind of were in space. But in this movie, it was like, somebody put it there. And it's like the whole dimensions and the time craziness. And I guess, are they trying to tell us that Murph put it there from the future? But, like, when did the future start? Because he was the one from the future that was putting his hand to Brand. Like, she could feel him. I don't think we see that future so much. I think it potentially could have been Murph, but I actually think it's like future, future. So 
that's where it comes in with like fourth and fifth dimensions. So from Murph's, I, I don't know if this is correct. So if anyone's like, you're so off Chrissy, then like that's totally fine. But I think in the start that like you can't, you can always move forward through time. You can't go back. But with Mirth figuring out how to do bringing gravity into space and time and create dimensions, the future people that Mirth saved are the ones that figure out how to put that black hole there for them to kind of move forward. So it is, I don't think you know who the future people are, but you can see there is a future self because Matthew McConaughey was reaching out. Like they were, he was kind of traveling, I guess, at a different speed of time and space and stuff. I don't think you have to figure it out because they haven't figured it out. But I think them is future people helping past people because they know that they need to help them when they figure out that math. Just like Murph figured it out. But are black holes actually placed there by something? (laughs) Currently present time, I don't think so. I think they're anomalies created by like suns exploding and stuff. Okay. But maybe in a future time, people know how to capture them. But I think in this movie, they're doing it for the point of because they're saying it's a, it appeared. So they're saying it hasn't always been there. It appeared at a certain time and they've been monitoring it. So they need to go to it because they've been monitoring it because, you know, of the data that was coming through from it. So future people did send it out. I think for the point in this movie, that's why they're saying it was them. But based on Stephen Hawking, I think they're not man-made at this point. Okay, that's what I was like. Am I missing the whole th- chapter of what I learned in school? Because I was like, I swear those are just there. But <laughs> I mean, this always gets us in any time traveling vibe. It gets really confusing. Wow. I'm tripping out. <laughs> Like, how could he go and then the next time he sees Murph be this almost the same age and then she's in her 90s or whatever? Like, that's (laughs) crazy. And then they were on that terrifying water planet and they were there for a few hours and it was 20 plus years and they go back up to the ship and that guy's just like, I've been up here for so long. You're like, (laughs) what? And like, you know, they said it when you're... when they were going down, they're like, oh, this amount of time is a year. But then when they come back, it, it's only been a little bit. And that's what happened. I don't understand how time changes how your body ages. That's what really throws me off. Because they're in different, I mean, because the, they're in different time, like elements. I don't get that either. I, I, I don't get it. I think you just have to accept that that's how time works. So this time is also a concept in Inception that Christopher Nolan like plays around with and in Tenant. Like he loves playing with time and I don't know like how sciencey that is. I think there is a base for the time, especially near black holes. And he was essentially traveling around in black holes. That's what I got out of it. Like, cause he's in the fifth dimension and all that kind of stuff. So cause he's stuck in that abnormally, which we don't know that much about. I think that's why they're trying to justify it. But yeah, it's, it's weird. It's just a part of the movie I'm just embracing because they're telling me that's what it yeah. is. <laughs> I need to stop doing that. I keep trying to like make it make sense, but it's not. It's made up. It's it's just a thing. But I keep being like, but wait, what? And I think it's a theory. I just don't know if yeah. it's like there isn't actual evidence of it. It's like the theory based on physics and space and time and stuff. But I think for this one, just 
take it for what it is and um, leave it at that and embrace it as science for this film alone. (laughs) For the movie, I mean, it's a great part of the movie. It's like another, the black hole's a character times a character. And then the whole, you know, when he went to go find Blanche, he was like, at the very end, he like gets away to try to get on a ship to go where she is. And he's like, she would have just gotten there. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. Murph is 90 dead and Blanche just got to a planet that she was left like a long time ago. But wasn't that, he just left her. Like, you know, he just left her and he... She was in the same side of the black hole as him, I guess. And so he kind of circled around a black hole, came out on the other side where the Earth side was traveling along at a very much faster pace of time, picked him up and he's like, all right, I'm going to go find her. So like, it's a bit weird. I think it drew out a lot in Matthew McConaughey's character because he didn't see his daughter grow. And I think that's like what kind of he was channeling being like, oh, I'm not going to see her I miss like her whole childhood and when she's like I'm the same age as when you left he like he's like oh my god I need to get back to her kind of thing it's crazy it's also kind of conflicting because some of these scientists so to speak they're supposed to be smart as fuck right but honestly a if I had a daughter that I hope she's as smart as Murph because she just like called it And then on Cooper's spaceship, so when they were like, he took off and everything, there's all these grown-ass scientist adults, and they're just making some really, really dumb calls throughout the film. I just feel like any planet habitable is not going to be that close to a black hole, in my opinion. I guess that is. Because your opinion's a lot. You know, my opinion, I feel like it is sound. Look, I just, I think my analysis was sound logic. Like a planet near a black hole is never a good idea. Seems dangerous. It just like, it just seems like a really dumb idea. Like, are you kidding? And if they'd actually kind of contemplated it a bit more, they spent five minutes discussing it. If they really thought about it, they'd be like, oh yeah, that chick probably just landed there. Oh, we should probably wait for, you know, more or like figuring it out. But it just wasn't sound. Like, why would you go to a planet that's like kind of getting sucked in by a black hole like a little bit? (laughs) I just, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And then the whole thing with Cooper not trusting Anne Hathaway's character, which is Brand, and he's like, you you want to go to that planet because your boyfriend's there. Let's go to this other planet. And she's like, but my boyfriend's planet has better readings. And he's like, you're lying. We're going to go to this other planet. And then they go there and get Matt Damon, and it's a shit planet. And I'm just like, if you looked at the science and the data, I don't think Anne Hathaway's boyfriend was going to send incorrect data Maybe he was, maybe he was a Matt Damon, but it was like, wouldn't you go with what's the best one? But he didn't trust her because she ultimately got that guy killed on the water planet, let's be honest. And so it was just lots of dumb decisions. So like, I think Cooper at that point wasn't a scientist. He should have trusted that this data was true and he believed brand and that she's like, no, I'm making this decision based on science, not on feelings. He's like, no, let's go to this other shitty planet. And then it all got really bad there. It just... It just got frustrating that they just were making some really stupid decisions in space. Yeah, I think the logic was missing in some ways because it wasn't that man's data was better. It was that he was sending consistent data or he was sending pain so they knew like he was still alive. So they was like, maybe that's a good sign. But his actual data wasn't that great. But her boyfriend's had one pain 
but the data was great. And I guess somehow like he just died. It wasn't because the planet was bad. So that's why she was like, I think this is better. Yes, he's still sending it, but it doesn't look good. But, you know, logic is always better. I think it makes decisions easier, at least for me, like emotions, like they ruin my decision making. So I love a logical brain. And that's where she really was at. But he didn't trust her because he knew that she had emotion tied to it. But I do appreciate Mm -hmm. that in the end, he took responsibility and was like, yeah, we should have gone with that. And he like admitted that he was wrong and he kind of let his ego go. And that I think brought them closer together because they didn't like hold things against each other. And they knew like they were in it together. I understand his point of view, but obviously she was right. If they didn't go to that black hole planet, which was a bad idea because yep. it looked like a shitty planet, they could have just gone to both of the other planets with better data. I'm just yes. saying this black hole planet, you guys made a really bad decision going there. It seems stupid because it was never going to work that close to a black hole. So like you should have just gone to the other two planets straight away. Well, don't even go to the water planet because you knew the time issue was such a huge thing. Like you don't know where you're going and anything messes up, which did, you lost 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of you saying that Bland got Doyle killed, I don't really agree with that because I think Doyle was stupid of not running back to the ship himself. When the robot's going for her and it's going to be the one that can save her, why isn't he already running back? He would have been fine. He was there. He was waiting for her to help her get back in. He was no, he could have being a gentleman. run back to the ship, already been by the door. So by the time she's there, grab her in. But he was waiting for her to catch up with the robot. And that was stupid. I do think that she got irrational and, you know, was hoping for that data when really like, what is this planet? You don't need the data on it. It was yeah, both like, like a shit decisions in that moment for both of them. The only good one was the robot. I also am like, why don't you fly around the planet a little bit and figure out, oh, it's just water. We probably shouldn't land here. Like they yeah. landed in just like water and there's no land. I'm like, it's not habitable, guys. Let's just go. Anyway, it's fine. Everything's fine. On a final note, I don't quite understand how Matthew survived with a hole in his mask um, when Matt Damon like cracked his, cracked Matthew McConaughey's but didn't crack his own again. Don't know how that makes sense. That just didn't seem normal that like he was like totally fine. I'm pretty sure in space movies, his face usually gets sucked out of the hole. It might have been what the atmosphere was at that planet. Like you might have like five minutes you can breathe or something. It might be like the level (laughs) of oxygen or something smart. And with the whole head smashing thing, you see it in movies. Like I think the person giving the impact makes more impact. That's where my head goes with that. But I do agree. Like it was a pretty hard hit. Why didn't he break his glass like that's a risky way to go about it he should have died not matt (laughs) not well not matthew matt not cooper man (laughs) (laughs) there's too many matthews yeah too many but then a shout out to cooper when he docks his ship with it spinning Mm -hmm. and all that craziness like what a great pilot badass i want him flying any plane i'm on i love that scene i think it's just like you don't quite know what's happening and then you realize what's going on and how they film it as well and because it's kind of making it seem like the camera's spinning with them and i just i think it's such a good such a good look and obviously is a way better pilot than man who can't even dock his own spaceship yeah like the the comparison is just like 
out of this world, how he did that. And also how like, it's obviously it's some G force because um, brand and Hathaway's character like passes out cause she can't handle it. And then he's telling the robot to take it, but he's like holding it. And I'm like, oh. yes, dude. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> which we're about to go into our honorable mentions, which makes me think we should add another one, which is Dramamine. <laughs> As you call it, Dramamanamine. Dramamanamine? Yeah. Dramamanamine. I will, I mean, that, you know, the guy needed, Romley needed it. And I was like watching it. I'm like, I'm going to need it soon from like when they're like spinning. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I need it for sitting in the back of a car. I'm definitely going to need that shit in space. (laughs) Yeah. I was curious what interstellar means. So I looked it up. It means occurring or situated between stars. So we're interstellar too. Honorable mentions. Our first one, we already did Dramamine. Music. Oh, the score's great. great. It's so good. It's so original. I think it's Hans Zimmer, of course. It paired with it perfectly like a fine wine. I loved it. And it was very different. It was spacey. I think that was the one they, they won an award for that. Yeah, you looked at it. I think so. That was cinematography, yeah. which is also another honorable mention was the cinematography, <laughs> visual effects. <laughs> I just think what they did with that water planet and the waves, like it is literally one of the most terrifying places I've ever seen, like thinking about being somewhere like that and the way they did it, it was just so good. And then like everything else, it was just great mm-hmm. the whole time, like driving through the cornfields and all of it. Yeah. And they filmed in different places around earth. Like um, a lot of them were countries i know i think iceland was the ice planet and stuff like that and i think that one's filmed really well it just looks so cold and bare i just they chose really like the locations really well Mm -hmm. the next one are the robots which i will say at first i thought were super lame like they were like a box and very clunky and then i realized on the water planet what they can do and then what they kept on being able to do and then i was like in love with them (laughs) well the robots actually were puppets they're not even cgi they're actually there and like could engage with them and stuff and the person voicing tars he was in a green outfit so he was always there kind of like puppeting the robot in a way and they got rid of him in like editing and stuff but i like that it wasn't cgi they actually were talking to the robots when the guy was talking to them too and i do like that they had this like personality that you could turn up and down yeah like their humor <laughs> yeah and i just like that they sounded like human beings they didn't have like a robot voice so they did grow on me a lot the next one are all the small roles of huge actors one john lithgow john lithgow mm-hmm. love him yeah. i feel like you just kind of forget he's in the film i remember turning this on I was like oh, that's right he's kind of like in the first half of it and he like everything else that's happened you just kind of forget that he was in the film until you watch it again you're like ah, oh, that's right <laughs> and then Timothy Chalamet yes which I I think it was when he said something I'm like that sounds like Timothy and I wouldn't think I would notice him but he as a kid mm-hmm. as Tom and then we had Casey Affleck which ugh, doesn't age well <laughs> Next, Topher Grace. Topher Grace, that <laughs> 70s show. <laughs> it's like the love interest of Murph. And I'm like, yeah. again, forgot he was in there. And he turns up and I was like, wait, oh God. I literally have seen this film multiple times. I just forget about these actors that are in it because there's so much else going on. But shout out to the these small roles played by huge actors yep. in this film. And then we just do have to call out that Matthew McConaughey looks pretty damn good in this film. Yeah, I'm into Matthew. You want to tell us? <laughs> he looks good in this one. I'm just telling you. Like he had a great tan. He was just like a good guy, good dad. 
I was into it. He was in his good looking stage. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was nice to see him with shorter hair. Yes. I'm not liking the hair right now. Every, I've seen like memes where it's like, when will he cut this off? <laughs> On to our ratings. First one we've got is script. Five. I went a little bit lower, like four, just because everything else, well, I don't want to give it away, but I said four. It's a good script. I think a lot of it goes over my head, which is not their fault. It's my fault, (laughs) but it was a great script. It just wasn't the thing that like hit me all the time. I like that every time I've watched it, I've learned something new. So the thing Mm -hmm. like about the school and the history books, I never picked up on that before. And this time I picked up on it and I was like, oh, I can still learn more from this film every time I watch it. And science starts making hopefully a bit more sense the next time I watch it. But I like that it builds the more and more you watch it. It's same with his other films. I think you understand it more because you're listening to things more because you've listened to it. It's just like reading or it's like studying a film and you get it more and more every time that you watch it. That makes sense. Characters? Five. Five. <laughs> the end. Definitely. Nice. <laughs> Plot? Five. five. <laughs> so good. You know what I'm going to do for this whole film? It's just like, yeah, okay. And let's call out that this movie is almost three hours long. So it much us. different. <laughs> Should we say it again? Apocalypse Now. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Even the good, the bad, the ugly, that shit was long. long. Yes, it could have kept going. I love Interstellar. I think it is, there's so many good things to this film and it holds you. And again, I've seen it many, many times and I can watch it the whole way through and not be like, I'm bored, turn it off. I'm like, oh, that's right. And it's like, I'm st- like I said, I'm still learning every single time, trying to get that little bit less and less stupid yes. each time. Entertainment factor. Five. <laughs> 100% five. So good. Recommend. I mean, obvious. No, I would not recommend it. <laughs> watch it again. I want to watch it again. Don't watch it. Yeah, watch it again. I think it's definitely worth rewatches and rewatches just like Inception and Tenant. You just get so much more out of it each time. And you know, this is a movie that I've been told by like or hear randomly like, is this a really good movie? Oh, I love Interstellar, this and that. And so you kind of go into it knowing like maybe your hopes are going to be too high. A lot of times when they're like, Mm -hmm. I love this movie, you're like, oh, it didn't really meet the expectations. This one did. And I'm totally into it. Could have kept going. I was sad when it ended and I'd want, I'd watch it again. Probably one of my favorites that we've watched. One of my tops. Yeah, it's good. And I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan. All his stuff that I've seen, I'm super into. Like he did some of those original Batmans with, um, what's his face? Christian Bale. And like, that's when he started. For me, that's when I really started noticing like his movies are a little bit darker, but they're definitely just, they're so defined I don't know I just really like his style of directing and also storytelling Mm -hmm. it's very unique to him and he holds me every time cocktail vibe I enjoyed it it was the blueberry mojito I think I want to put gin or vodka with it like I know that we're doing like mocktails so I think this would be really good with I know we didn't have mint and it was supposed to have mint so we could have a little bit of mint in there but I think with like yeah gin or vodka or you know Bacardi it would be really good Yeah, we were trying to be good before going to Miami, and it was a great thing, but you kept mentioning gin, and I was like, oh, yeah, we could do gin. And you're like, do you want some? I'm like, no, I'm trying (laughs) to stick to it. But I will say the key is to give it a real good stir, like Mm -hmm. make sure all that fruit is like really mixed in, and then it's like great, even without alcohol and mint. 
Okay, thank you all for joining us for Interstellar. Leave us a review and comment on any movies you want us to watch and whine about. Don't forget to subscribe and find us on TikTok at Champagne Cinema, linked in the description. See y'all next time. Cheers! Cheers.